Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to this here Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be a discussion of Ether, Chapter 1. Now, it's interesting to note that uh, for each of the chapters in the Book of Mormon, we get sort of a time frame on when these occur. But with the Book of Ether, there is no, um, you know, it doesn't say about such and such BC or anything like that. So, but we know from external sources that at least from the Tower of Babel, it's somewhere between 2500 and 2200 BC. So we think that's about the time frame maybe when this may have begun. So let me just read you a couple of preliminary things. In adding the Book of Ether to the Book of Mormon, Moroni was probably following instructions from his father. In the Book of Mosiah, as Mormon was giving an account of the discovery and translation of the 24 gold plates upon which this record was engraved, he had inserted this comment, and this account shall be written hereafter, for behold, it is expedient that all people should know the things which are written in this account. Since this abridgment was made by Moroni, we can assume that Mormon was un unable to work on the Jaredite record and had directed his son to do so. It is not clear from the Book of Mormon account whether Moroni translated the 24 plates and made his abridgment from that translation, or whether he abridged the translation of the 24 plates that King Mosiah made around 90 BC, not long after they were found by the people of Limhi. As with the Nephite account, the Book of Ether is a second unmistakable witness and warning to those of us in the latter days who enjoy the gospel light, and especially to those who live in the land choice above all others, that we have a sacred obligation to preserve our nation and our church through righteousness. Two other important contributions are Moroni's prophecy of the three witnesses to the Book of Mormon and Ether's prophecy of the New Jerusalem, both of which must have been instrumental in leading Joseph Smith to inquire about and act upon them. And that was by Millet and McConkie in uh, Doctrinal Commentary of the Book of Mormon. So uh, this account, uh, although it doesn't mention it here, begins in the book of Genesis chapter 11 in speaking about the Tower of Babel. And uh, we know that that, uh, that, that occurred. Uh, the Book of Mormon shows the actual confounding of the languages may have not been as instantaneous thing, but may have happened over an un unknown length of time. Jared asked his brother to call upon the Lord and request that their language be not confounded. This request was granted. Then Jared asked his brother to plead that the Lord that the language of their friends stay the same as theirs. This request too was granted. These events imply that the confounding of the languages did not happen in an instant. That was just out of the Old Testament manual student manual. So let me get started here um, with uh, the beginning of chapter 1. We're going to read verse 1. Now I, Moroni, proceed to give an account of those ancient inhabitants who were destroyed by the hand of the Lord upon the face of this north country. Joseph Fielding Smith said that we understand that the Jaredites landed in Central America where their kingdom existed the greater part of their residence in America. And again, we don't know for sure the geography of the Book of Mormon, but uh, that's Joseph Fielding Smith's opinion. Verse 2, and I take mine account from the 20 and 4 plates which were found by the people of Limhi, which is called the Book of Ether. From Ether, chapter 1, verse 2, one naturally assumes that Moroni made his abridgment directly from the plates themselves. If he did so, we are driven to the conclusion that it was necessary for him to find his way into the hill Cumorah, where his father had hidden them. 
Inasmuch as the language of the plates was that of the Jaredite people, it would have been incumbent upon Moroni to translate them by means of the holy interpreters, or Urim and Thummim, before he could abridge them. This would have been a tremendous task because Moroni says that he had not written the hundredth part of the record, as it is, uh, and as it is, we have about 15 chapters, or about 31 and a half pages, in our current edition. It seems much more reasonable, for the writer at least, to believe that Moroni abridged the translation of the Book of Ether, which had been made many hundreds of years before by King Mosiah. The translation would also have been available to Moroni in the hill. Verse 3, and that was by Victor Ludlow. Verse 3, and as I suppose that the first part of, the, of this record, which speaks concerning the creation of the world, and also of Adam, and an account from that time even to the great tower, and whatsoever things transpired among the children of men, until that time it's had among the Jews, in other words, Genesis 1 through 11, describes the tower in the Old Testament and in the brass plate, so he doesn't need to put it here too. So he's, he's not trying to be redundant here. So it's on the brass plates. So we don't need it in the Book of Mormon also. Therefore, I do not write those things which transpired from the days of Adam until that time, but they are had upon the plates. And whoso findeth them, the same will have power that he may get the full account. But behold, I give not the full account, but a part of the account I give from the tower down until they were destroyed. Moroni explains that he is abridging the record called the Book of Ether, contained on the 24 plates, on the 24 gold plates that, that were discovered by the people of Limhi, and that his abridgment does not contain a full account. The full account included important information concerning the creation, the happenings among the people from Adam down to the time of the Tower of Babel. We note Moroni's recognition that a record of these things is had among the Jews, meaning the Bible. Undoubtedly, Moroni was also familiar with Nephi's prophecies that the record of the Jews would have many plain and precious things removed from it. Hence, the person who would bring Moroni's record to light in the last days would also have power that he may get the full account of those things on the plates of ether. This statement may have reference, at least in part, to the sealed portion of the plates delivered to the prophet Joseph. These plain and precious things, the full account of the creation and the history of God's dealings with his children from Adam to the tower, surely will be among, the, among those many great and important things that will, be re, that will yet be revealed. The Lord has promised that as we prepare ourselves spiritually, both as a church and as individuals, important things that have been sealed or hidden from the world will be revealed to us. Elder Maxwell stated, just as there will be many more church members, there will also be many more nourishing and inspiring scriptures. However, we must first feast worthily upon that which we already have. Verse 6, and on this wise do I give this account, or give the account, and he that wrote this record was, e was Ether, and he was a descendant of Coriantor. Now, this is not necessarily a genealogy, since there are some gaps from father to son. Three times in the genealogical list of 30 names, running back to the great tower, the word descendant occurs in place of son. As you know, in Hebrew and other languages, son and descendant are both rendered by one very common work, by one very common word. A person confined to a written text would have no means of knowing when Ben should have been taken to mean son in a literal sense, and when it means merely descendant. That was by Hugh Nibley. So then in, from verses 7 down to uh, 33, then it gives the names of, of each of the descendants here, of, uh, or the, the, the ancestors of uh, Ether. Verse 33, which Jared came forth with his brother and his families, with some others of their families and their families from the great tower. 
Orson Pratt said, the people being of one language gathered together to build a tower to reach, as they supposed, the crystallized heavens. They thought that the city of Enoch was caught up a little ways from the earth and that the city was within the first sphere above the earth and that if they could get a tower high enough, they might get to heaven where the city of Enoch and the inhabitants thereof were located. Tradition credits Joseph Smith with the statement that the heaven that they had in view was the translated city. A few years ago, an apostle said to me, it would, be, it would be a discovery of great significance if one were to find an Indian book which sustained the Book of Mormon. Such a book exists, in fact, I shall present quotations from. Such Indian books produced through, uh, during the American colonial period that contain materials similar to those found in the Book of Mormon. The Indian writers add their witness to the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon. An Indian prince who lived in the Valley of Mexico wrote a book containing the history of his ancestors from the time of their arrival in America until the coming of the Spaniards. He claimed that the first settlers to come to America following the flood came from a very high tower or the Tower of Babel. Observe how, some similar, how similar the accounts are as I quote from them. Jared came forth with his brother and their families with some others and their families from the great tower at the time the Lord confounded the language of the people and swore in his wrath that they, would, that they should be scattered upon all the face of the earth and according to the word of the Lord the people were scattered. This Indian prince, the Indian writer, puts it this way, and men multiplying made a very high tower in order to shelter themselves in it when the second world should be destroyed. When things were at their best, their language was changed and not understanding each other, they went to different parts of the world. And that was quoted by um, Milton R. Hunter and Thomas Stuart Ferguson. In order that we might make additional comparison of the Book of Mormon and the works of, of this Indian prince, we quote from the Jaredite record again, the Lord had compassion upon Jared, therefore he did not confound the language of Jared's people. Then the Lord guided Jared's colonists over the land to the seashore and in barges brought them to America into the land which he declared is choice above all the lands of the earth. The comparable story in, by, the print, by the Indian prince states, and the Toltecas, who were as many as seven companions and their wives, who understood their language among themselves, came to these parts, having first crossed lands and seas, living in caves and undergoing great hardships until they came to this land which they found good and fertile for their habitation. And so that was uh, actually given in a conference talk in 1970, uh, talking about the comparison with the Indian record and the Book of Mormon record. Continuing verse, um, verse 33, yes, 33. At the time the Lord confounded the language of the people and swore in his wrath that they should be scattered upon the, all the face of the earth. And according to the word of the Lord, the people were scattered. Of interest to the critical reader is the fact that the beginnings of the Jaredite nation are attributed by Moroni to the Tower of Babel episode, mentioned also in the book of Genesis. At the present time, most Bible scholars do not believe in this episode as an actual fact. They consider it a myth. If this belief were correct, we should have to assume that the whole of the book of Ether is based on a misconception. It should be pointed out, however, that one of the great values of the Book of Mormon is the fact that it affirms the essential truth of the Bible. The Tower episode is a case in point. The Mormon people do believe in it. Despite the claims of critics to the contrary, we believe that in the due time of the Lord, the Genesis account of the Tower of Babel will be found to be correct. And that was by Sidney Sperry. Verse 34, And the brother of Jared, Moroni nowhere gives us the name of Jared's brother, but consistently refers to him as the brother of Jared. From the account, it is clear that he is highly favored of the Lord and is the spiritual leader of Jared's people. Why is his name not recorded in the Book of Mormon? 
Daniel Ludlow suggested three possible reasons. One, the brother of Jared himself may, out of modesty, have purposely omitted his name from the record in similar manner as did John in recording his gospel. Two, the final writer of, on the record or plates of Ether, a descendant of Jared, perhaps emphasized the name of his progenitor, his progenitor, in other words, his ancestor. Or three, Moroni may have found the name too difficult to translate adequately into the Nephite language. And that was, by, that was from a companion to your study of the Book of Mormon. While residing in Kirtland, Elder Reynolds Cahoon, now here's how we get the, Book of, or, uh, the, the name of the brother of Jared from this experience from Elder Reynolds Cahoon. He had a son born to him. One day when President Joseph Smith was passing his door, he called the prophet in and asked him to bless and name the baby. Joseph did so and gave the boy the name Mahan Rai Moriankamer. When he had finished the blessing, he laid the child on the bed and turning to Elder Cahoon, he said, the name I have given your son is the name of the brother of Jared. The Lord has just shown or re revealed it to me. Elder William F. Cahoon, who was standing near, heard the prophet make this statement to his father. And this was the first time the name of the brother of Jared was known in the church in this dispensation. I wonder how many other people Joseph was asked to give their name of their baby a name and a blessing. I wonder, that might be the last one. I'm just kidding. Okay, continuing verse 34. Being a large and mighty man, and a man mighty and a man highly favored of the Lord, Jared, his brother, said unto him, Cry. Notice that the scripture says that he cries unto the Lord, but the word pray is not used. This is intent prayers he is offering. Cry unto the Lord that he will not confound us, that we may not understand our words. And it came to pass that the brother of Jared did cry unto the Lord, and the Lord had compassion upon Jared. Therefore he did not confound the language of Jared, and Jared and his brother were not confounded. Joseph Fielding Smith said, It is stated in the book of Ether that Jared and his brother made the request of the Lord that their language be not changed at the time of the confusion of tongues at the Tower of Babel. Their request was granted, and they carried with them the speech of their fathers, the Adamic language, which was powerful even in its written form, so that the things Mahanrai wrote were mighty even unto the overpowering of man to read them. That was the kind of language Adam had, and this was the language with which Enoch was able to accomplish his mighty work. So we believe that the people of Jared then uh, uh, had the Adamic language, the, Adam, the language that Adam spoke. Verse 36, Then Jared said unto his brother, Cry again unto the Lord, and it may be that he will turn away his anger from them, who are our friends, that he confound not their language. And it came to pass that the brother of Jared did cry unto the Lord, and the Lord had compassion upon their friends and their families also, that they were not confounded. And it came to pass that Jared spake again unto his brother, saying, Go and inquire of the Lord whether he will drive us out of the land, and if he will drive us out of the land, cry unto him, whither we shall go, and who knoweth but the Lord will carry us forth into a land which is choice above all the earth. And if it so be, let us be faithful unto the Lord, that we may receive it for our inheritance. And it came to pass that the brother of Jared did cry unto the Lord, according to that which had been spoken by the mouth of Jared. And it came to pass that the Lord did hear the brother of Jared, and had compassion upon him, and said unto him, Go to, and gather together thy flocks, both male and female, of every kind, and also of the seed of the earth of every kind, and thy families, and also, and also Jared thy brother, and his family, and also thy friends and their families, and the friends of Jared and their families. And when thou hast done this, thou shalt go at the head of them down into the valley which is northward, and there will I meet thee, and I will go before thee into a land which is choice above all the, all the lands of the earth. The Book of Mormon informs us that the whole of America, both north and south, is a choice land above all other lands. In other words, Zion, declared the, uh, President Joseph Fielding Smith. 
Verse 43, And there will I bless thee and thy seed, and raise up unto me of thy seed, and of the seed of thy brother, and they who shall go with thee a great nation. And there shall be none greater than the nation which I will raise up unto me of thy seed, upon all the face of the earth. And thus I will do unto thee, because this long time ye have cried unto me. President Spencer W. Kimball eloquently spoke of the effort, both spiritual and mental, that is required to receive answers to our prayers. Great decisions must be made by most of us. The Lord has provided a way for these answers. If the question is which school, what occupation, where to live, whom to marry, or such other vital questions, you should do all that is possible to solve it. Too often, like Oliver Cowdery, we want answers without effort. The Lord does answer our prayers, but sometimes we are not responsive enough to know when and how they are answered. We want the writing on the wall or an angel to speak or a heavenly voice. There must be works with faith. How futile it would be to ask the Lord to give us knowledge, but the Lord would help us to acquire knowledge, to study constructively, to think clearly, and to retain things we have learned. Do you get answers to your prayers? If not, perhaps you did not pay the price. Do you offer a few trite words and worn-out phrases, or do you talk intimately to the Lord? Do you pray occasionally when you should be praying regularly, often, constantly? Do you offer pennies to pay heavy debts when you should give dollars to erase that obligation? When you pray to do your when you pray, do you just speak or do you also listen? Your Savior said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. The Lord stands knocking, he never retreats, but he will never force himself upon us. If we ever move apart, it is we who move and not the Lord, and should we ever fail to get an answer to our prayers, we must look into our lives for a reason. That was by President Kimball. So, um, so anyway, the brother of Jared now has prayed that uh, that their language not be confounded, and that's been granted. And so he's being promised here uh, that they're going to be sent to the land of promise. I bear testimony that these things are true, and, and that this is translated material in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.